If you have your Bibles, open up to Revelations chapter 12. Worship team, thank you for leading us into God's presence. Stay standing with me this morning. Revelations chapter 12. We're starting a new series called Eternity and End Times. Revelations chapter 12, verse 7. They'll have the scripture on the screen. I'm going to dive right in. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, the devil. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth. And all of his angels were thrown down with him. And John said, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Father, we thank you for your word. God, may your word come alive in our spirit today and give life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, every year, we try to dig into eternity and end times. And I think, honestly, it's desperately needed in our, our culture. Amen? You, you hear this mantra so often from people. All we have is this moment. You see that on social media, you hear it in the news, and you hear it when tragedy takes place. All we have is this, this moment. Or one of the major soda companies in the last few years, they did a, a campaign called Live For Now. Live For Now. And while I think deep down, we know that this isn't true or good, we often embrace what feels good in the present over what is best long term, right? We live for the now. We live as if all we have is this present moment. And that's why I'm passionate about eternity and times because as Christians, we know we have so much more than this present moment that we are in. In fact, the present moment that we are in is barely a speck on the scale of eternity, amen? However, this tiny speck, as small as it may be on the scale of eternity, it has great impact. It has great impact on how we live it on the scale of eternity. So we must be faithful. We must be faithful in the present moment. So we're going to dive into uh, Revelation and the deep end today. Amen. Um, Revelation, maybe not for y'all, but for me, is, is complicated. Anybody identify with me on that? When you, when you read it, I just sometimes I scratch my head like, what is going on? Growing up, Revelation freaked me out. There's a lot of sticker shock in the book of Revelation. And if, if Revelation were made into a movie, I'm pretty sure a lot of Christians wouldn't watch it. And definitely wouldn't let their kids watch it either, right? There's dragons and beasts and angels and demons and war and blood, pestilence and plagues. There's a beast, like... It, Track with me, a beast that's trying to eat a newborn baby. That's crazy. 
right? But all of this stuff is in the Bible that we read. Creatures with eyes that are all over them. And I'm like, that's, that's crazy. A sword coming out of Jesus' mouth, a tattoo on his leg, like, Revelation is, is crazy, and we think we get a little weirded out when we see a woman run across the, the aisle in church. Read Revelation, right? Like somebody jumping across a pew, that's light. That's light compared to some of the things that are in, in the Scripture. And to know that these things are yet to come. That they aren't things that have passed, but these are things that are yet to come. Revelation still freaks me out a little bit, church. I want to be out of here when all of this stuff goes, goes down. Like, put me in the grandstand of heavens on the 50-yard line, but I don't want to be out, in the, out, on the, out on the field, coach, when this stuff is happening because there's crazy things, a lot of spirit realm things that take place. And I think too often we compartmentalize those things to just, just spirit realm things, just spirit realm things, but, and, and they don't have much impact upon our, our lives but the reality is those spirit realm things have direct impact upon our lives. One theologian said it like this. Anytime we see war in the heavenlies, be assured that there's war on earth. I said anytime that we see war in the heavenlies, be assured that there is war on earth. And be assured that anytime we see war on earth, there is war in the heavenlies taking place. For our battle is not against flesh. It's not against blood. It's against principalities and things of wickedness and high places. And which is why God would tell us our weapons and God are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Right, because there are these things that take place, so we must preach on it. We must teach on it. In Revelation, it says in chapter one that there is a special blessing to those who read this out loud and then those who listen to it. So I wanna partake in that, that blessing. Ultimately, ultimately, Revelation, it's hope literature and crisis literature. It's meant to instill hope in our lives during a period of crisis. It tells us that if we remain faithful, we will not be harmed spiritually. It shows that one day there will be an end to the physical suffering in the world around us. And yes, one day he will wipe away every tear from every eye. And that the trials of this present moment will be vindicated when the Lamb, Jesus himself, judges the nations of the world. And that there is eternal life, a reward waiting for those who remain faithful faithful, eternal life in the presence of God. So let's dive in. War arose in heaven. War in heaven has a bad ring to it, but how many of you know that there are some things that just can be, can't be avoided? As the psalmist said, I long for peace, but my enemies want war. There are some stands in life that just have to be taken, some battles that just have to be fought, certain lines that cannot be crossed. And the devil crossed that line. The devil in heaven crossed that line. And in Revelation 12, we have this picture of Michael and his angels fighting against the devil, the dragon and his angels. Michael is one of the archangels in heaven. And his name, when you transliterate it, it literally means who 
is like God. That's what Michael's name means. Who, good note to take, Michael means who is like God. And I think the meaning of his name gives us a clear picture of why he was an archangel and the general of God's armies. Because Michael was one who was jealous for the Lord God. Michael was one who was jealous for the Lord God. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name, right? That is not just a title, but it is my, my name. Are you tracking with me? He said, I am the Lord. That is my name. He's, he doesn't earn a title. He doesn't get a title. It's not put on a placard on his door. That is his name, the Lord. And he says, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. God is a jealous God. And our God is jealous over his name. And our God is jealous for his glory. And Michael is one who would defend the name and the honor of the Lord. See, it was Michael's knowledge of the holiness of God that led him to this mindset. Michael was a defender of God's glory. You, you didn't go up to Michael and blaspheme or curse God. You, you didn't do that. You didn't go up to Michael and, and blaspheme or curse God. And that, why, that, that might be why blasphemy is the unpardonable sin because Michael knows how to take care of business, y'all. Right? He knows how to take care of business. And it was Lucifer who in his pride wanted worship rather than giving worship. And God was not going to allow this in heaven. There was a line in the sand, and that line could not be crossed. And God would not allow this in heaven. And church, he ain't gonna allow it on earth as well because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Amen? It was Herod who, when he started receiving praise that you are like a, God, like a God, he went into sickness and died immediately in the Bible because God's glory he does not share. He does not share. He will not give his glory to anyone else. And church, are we willing to defend? Are we willing to defend the glory of God and not touch, not touch the glory? Our society scares me. Because we live in a day and age where we love to be the object of people's affection. We love that. And social media fuels. It doesn't just kind of encourage or endorse. It fuels. Social media fuels this between likes and shares and comments and all of these things where we love to be the object. Don't, don't act like you're innocent, like you've never gone on to see how many people liked your post, Right? I mean, come on, we love to be the object of people's worship and praise, and worship is far too weighty for us to handle. Worship is far too weighty for us to handle, and we cannot touch the glory. There's a line. There's a line there. There is a strict line that God will not allow us to cross, and he has Michael, the defender of his glory, who is like our God, which his name means he is the leader of the armies of heaven, Michael, who will defend that glory. Amen? And be sure that heaven has a fierce army. Michael leads this army, and heaven has a fierce army which does not lose. I said heaven's army does not lose. Lose. All heaven knows how to do is win. They are eternally undefeated, right? 
They're not like the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not like the Alabama Crimson Tide who lost in overtime. They're not like Florida State or Florida Georgia or any of these teams. All heaven knows how to do is win. And sometimes I think we worry about the strength and the might of heaven. Church, we ain't got nothing to be scared of. Church, we ain't got nothing to be afraid of because the victory has already been won in Jesus' name. See, I, I think we maintain too often the picture of Christmas Jesus. Tender Jesus, meek and mild. Away in a manger Jesus, the one that was loved on and doted on. But don't forget, he's coming back with a fire in his eyes. He's coming back with a sword in his hand with which he will smite the nations of the world and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And come election day, there's only one person on the ballot and we don't even get a vote. We don't. We don't. He is the sovereign one and he will put all things under his feet. He only knows how to win. He only knows how to conquer. And he doesn't mind running up the score. He doesn't. He doesn't mind running up the, the score. One of, my, one of my favorite things I've been able to, to do lately um, is, is coach soccer. And, and yesterday our, our soccer season ended and we placed, um, I, I believe it was like second in our league. Um, from our W's and L's, and if you'll pull up the pictures, um, this was seven of my nine players that I, that I had on our soccer team. Um, and, and I coach in a non-faith-based club, and I get to spend a couple of hours each week with kids and families that they need Jesus, right? Mostly unchurched families, a little faith background, but not much faith background um, there. And I get to be able to engage and love on, and I would encourage you, it's not a plug for Evangel, it's an a plug to be salt and light in our world, <laughs> right? I would encourage you, get in non-faith-based environments and let your light shine. The Bible tells us to do that. Um, but it was absolutely incredible. A couple of weeks ago, we were playing a team, and we got into like the, the third period, and um, the, the, the coach of the other team looked at me and said, Coach, it's 11 to 2. And I was like, oh, and these are like six and six and seven-year-olds that are out there. We had run up the score, and I, I didn't, I kind of knew, but I didn't know. I wasn't really keeping that, that score. And, and one of the crazy things about it was one of our AG pastors in the city, his kid was on the other team that we had ran up the, the score against. And so it made me feel bad for like a half a second. And, and then we just, you know, we kept taking care of business. But we, we made some adjustments, and... Um, my son, we put him at goalie, and he's a pretty good goalie, and we took some of the players off the field. I just didn't want him to get goals, so I put him at goalie. And so they get the ball, and um, it's like three on five at that time, and um, they come down to the goal, and they kick the ball, and my son Judah just watches it go right between his legs. And I'm like, I give him the look. I'm like, he goes, Dad, they don't have any points. I was like... <laughs> All right, <laughs> all right, sorry. <laughs> but church, listen, we ended up creaming this team with an 11 to two margin, but heaven has much greater margins than that, and they don't stop when the score is a lot to a little. Heaven keeps running up the score because we serve a king who is completely undefeated. Undefeated. The dragon... And verse 7 and 8, 
was cast out and defeated. This should make all of us rejoice that the enemy of our souls has been defeated. How many of you are grateful that the enemy of our souls has been defeated, church? If the enemy has been defeated, that means all of his tools and all of his tactics, all of his schemes, all of those things, they have been defeated as well, including death. I love what 1 Corinthians says. It says, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put what? All things. What does that say, church? He has put all things in subjection under his feet. Not 90% of things, not 95%, not 98%, not 99.9%, but everything is in subjection. There is nothing that is outside of his dominion. There is nothing that is outside of his lordship or rulership. There is nothing outside of his domain. But all things in all of creation have been placed under his feet been placed under his feet. Not only was the enemy defeated, but verse 8 says there is no longer a place in heaven for them. Right? Verse 8 says, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. As sad as war in heaven sounds, I'm grateful. I'm grateful because this ended access in heaven for the devil. The devil, he's called the accuser of the brethren and the divine counsel, that was his position, was to night and day bring accusation, which is what you see with Job. He brought accusation against mankind. But when he decided to bow up, he lost his position. And so the enemy has no access. He cannot come in and trespass. Heaven is a safe place, which is why our God is a refuge, a strong tower. He, the enemy of our souls, can't have access into God's presence. Church, in the day of calamity, we can run into the arms of an everlasting Savior and be safe, and that though the enemy come in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. There's a line in the sand that he cannot come past if we remain Faithful, faithful in his, his arms. Revelation 12, 9 says, and the great dragon. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Not only has the devil been defeated, but God threw him down. He's been defeated, given no access, and thrown down. Like stars that were cast down from the heavens. Satan was cast down. He had no choice in the matter. There was no debating or arguing with God. When he stood up, he got cast down. 
Church, I said when he stood up to God, he got cast down. Pride will do that every time because pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When Satan decided to bow up to God, he got cast out. And Jesus said it in Luke, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When, when God cast him out, it wasn't a gentle toss. It wasn't a little pat on the back, get out. It was like lightning from heaven. See, God don't play games. God doesn't play games when Satan's pride started welling up before God. Satan thought he was the object. He was worthy of, of worship. But God said, uh-uh, my glory I give to no others. And Michael, whose name is, who is like the Lord our God, he started standing up and there was a battle that ensued and Satan got his one-way ticket out of heaven where he could not access back again into the heavenly church. This is something to rejoice about but look look to where he was thrown verse 9 says and the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who is called the devil and satan the deceiver of the whole world he was thrown down to where the earth where are we seated we live on planet Earth, right? We live on planet Earth, and he was thrown down to planet Earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. With Satan being cast down to planet Earth, it can easily make us think we don't stand a chance. But don't think that for a moment. Even though the Earth's control was given over to the devil, even though it's been sub least to the enemy it is only for a period of time I, I love as God showed this yesterday that that out the outset of creation God promised that he would crush the serpent's head right he said he would crush the serpent's head and it would bruise the heel and God says in Psalms heaven is my throne and the earth is my the earth is my footstool. So every time God takes his throne in heaven and sets his feet up on the earth, what is he doing? He is constantly crushing the head of the serpent every time he takes that throne and he places his feet right there. He is stomping. He is pressing. He is kicking down on the enemy of our souls. He takes his throne and he crushes the head of the serpent. Jesus teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. See, what God is saying, even though the earth has been subleased to the devil, I'm going to place my creation, who are created in the image of God, Imago Dei, on this earth. He's going to place us here to establish his domain, to establish his kingdom. And although we live in a fractured world, we live here to drive back the powers of darkness. John says that the light, it shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I got news, it will not, it cannot, it has not, it will never overcome the light. God has placed us here on this earth to shine brightly, to shine brightly for him, to live as ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. But church, 1 Peter says we must beware for the devil, 
prowls around as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Seeking anyone to devour. And we can see, I know I'm going to go a little long today. I'm just going to have to hang out because we need this. We can see a world that has been deceived by Satan. Satan tries to magnify. Tries to magnify the pleasures of this life. To be so much more beautiful than the pleasures that God has in store for us in heaven. It's so easy to do this. Uh, you know, so much of our creation walks around with, with the phone. Right, he walks around with a phone, and I'm guilty of it too, that my kids, they can all be playing right here, but I'm missing out on some of the most beautiful beings in all of creation because I'm fixated on my, my phone because it's closest to me. And how often do we live like that? What's closest to us becomes the most beautiful thing in all of creation, and so Satan tries to take the things that are right here in front of us and magnify it so great, whether it's success, whether it's money, whether it's finance, whether it's relationship, whether it's sports, you name it, you fill in the blank. What is he trying to magnify within your life that looks so great that we miss out on the pleasures of heaven? He's cunning, he's deceitful, and he's seeking to devour but not only does he try to magnify the pleasures of this life, he tries to magnify the sorrow of this life as well. An empty heaven of its joy. An empty heaven of its joy. He tries to make the sorrows, the trials, the things that we face so, so huge and so vast in front of us that it empties us of the promise that yes, one day he will wipe away every tear from every eye. It doesn't discount the difficulty of earth. It just makes us a promise that in the end he will wipe away and he will right every wrong in Jesus' name. And so what does the devil do? Magnify pleasure and magnify sorrow. C.S. Lewis said it, and I paraphrase it, too often we're content playing in a sandbox in the backyard when God has an ocean resort waiting for us. Right, we're, we're, we're content with a little sandbox in the backyard, but God's got this beautiful oceanfront resort waiting for us. We're, we're content playing in a kiddie pool on the west side when he's got the Ritz in Hawaii for us, Right? We're content with that kiddie pool as long as it's ours and soaking and in the water because that's what's close to us. But God has the Ritz Carlton waiting in Hawaii for us. We must understand the enemy's tactic to not succumb to his deceit. John says, and I heard a loud voice in worship team, if you would come on, in heaven saying, now salvation, power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. John, he hears this voice in heaven, and the voice speaks of how salvation, of how power, of how authority come. Look beneath the surface of the text. Salvation, the Godhead. Jesus, power, represented what in the Godhead? The Holy Spirit. Authority, the Father, represented. There's so much richness here in the text if we just look. It says how salvation, power, and authority have come. And look at the verb tense. It says have come. It already has come, meaning it already came. It's not something waiting to come, but something that has already come. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he cried out, it is finished, meaning the atonement was complete, that salvation and healing have 
come. But verse 10 says, power has come as well. And where do we get that power from? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And church, we need not relegate the Holy Spirit to a Sunday morning church service, but we need to live in the power of the Spirit Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single day of the week. For that's where transformation comes from when he is not relegated to a church service alone. You can have so much of the Holy Spirit, all that you want, every day, all day, if we will just walk in that power, but not just salvation and power, but authority. Luke 10, 18 says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Church, we have salvation, we have power, and we have authority. And what the text says, our authority overcomes his power. I don't know if you just caught what Jesus just said. Our authority, not our power, right? Look at it. It says, all, back, last text. Last text. Go back to Luke 10, 18 for me. back. All right, Luke 10, 18. You can look it up on your phone. All authority, all authority, or I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Our power doesn't overcome his power. Our authority, our authority. I said our authority, the authority that God Almighty through Jesus Christ has given us overcomes his power. It's how a 90-year-old grandmother can look at the devil and say, get behind me, Satan, because she has authority in Jesus' name. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he said in Matthew, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Church, when Jesus commissioned us, it was as if he was knighting us to go in this power, to go in this authority, because we are not here just to exist. We are here to overcome, for we have the victory in Christ Jesus. It says they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives unto death. Stand with me. There was three parts to the conquering. I want you to write this down. Number one, the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. Number two, the word of their testimony. The proclamation of the gospel. That's what that is. The word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb. The proclamation of the gospel. For they love not their lives unto death. A surrender to His will. A complete and a total surrender to the Lord's will. Church, a bloodless gospel is a powerless gospel. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Second, the word of our testimony. It refers to the proclamation of the gospel. Church, we have to testify of all of the great things that God has done. Stop talking about what we've done in this life and start talking about what he has done for all people for all of eternity. I'm gonna say that again. We gotta stop talking about what we've done, what we've built, what we've succeeded at in this life and start talking about what he has made available for all people everywhere for all of eternity. And thirdly, a surrender to his will, for they love not their lives unto death. 
For I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your lives as a living sacrifice. Jesus prayed in the garden, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives unto death. A complete surrender to his will. Verse 12 says, but rejoice, O heavens. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. This is how we make sense of our world. Rejoice for the promise, but beware. Rejoice for the promise, the reward for those who remain faithful. But beware, for the devil has come down to earth. He's come down to earth, and he's come to steal, he's come to kill, and he's come to destroy. And he's got three tactics, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that he will use to entrap our lives. But beware, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down in, not happiness, but in great wrath. It's how we make sense of anger. It's how we make sense of of rage and frustration and bitterness and every selfish thing that takes place, injustice and racism, all of the mess of the world. That is exactly how we make sense of it. For he has come down in great wrath for he knows that his time is short. So we must be on guard. For the enemy will be sure to tempt us. We cannot dabble in darkness, church. We can't dabble in darkness. Paul says, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Take heed, lest he fall. For no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out of escape that you may be able to endure. God is faithful. He will provide a way out. He's given us every tool we need for victory if we will fully commit and surrender to him. There's one surefire way, church, to victory. That is complete surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Everybody says bow and eyes close. It's 1210. You say, Pastor, altar team, if you would come down to the front. I'm not ready for eternity and end times. There's stuff I need to make right today. Stuff I need to lay down at his feet. Stuff I need to surrender. If that's you, say, Pastor, I'm not ready to take that step into eternity. There's things that are separating me from the Father. God has a plan. His name is Jesus. 
with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed this morning. If that's you, I want you to just slip up a hand. All we want to do is pray with you and pray for you. If you need to make things right with Jesus today, just slip up that hand. Amen. Amen. I want us all to pray this prayer together this morning. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for salvation. Thank you for dying on a cross. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Become the Lord of my life. And help me to live for you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we celebrate. Come on, let's, let's celebrate and give thanks. Heaven being populated. We have prayer partners down here in the front. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to come down. If you need prayer for healing, maybe relationship, restoration in your life, whatever it may be, our prayer team is down front to agree with you over whatever it may be. Maybe it's a prodigal that you know they're not ready for eternity and in times. And you want to come and touch and agree this morning on, on, on anything. Come down to the front. Join. Our, our worship team is going to lead us in, in a song. Um, but church, the time is now. We are getting close. And we got to have an urgency, a divine urgency with this commission. I'm going to close out with a blessing in just a moment. But lead us in a song and come down for prayer if you need prayer.
teams to continue praying and working. These altars are open. Um, don't forget at Heart Class, you got Sit With Me cards out there to invite. We need people, the lost, to come to these services. Amen. We've got a responsibility for time is of the essence. And grab a Sit With Me card on the way out today. Don't forget our midweek prayer services. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, Thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God, and I will bless them. Hold on real quick. Next week I'm going to be preaching on the seven seals and the seven trumpets. Do me a favor. Go and read those passages in Revelation, just so you have a little context coming into it. Seven seals, seven trumpets. It's going to be a good week. Let's stretch our hands out towards Pastor right now. Father, we speak your word, that you sent your word, and you healed all of our diseases. We thank you that your blood, it reaches to the highest mountain, it flows to the lowest valley. And we declare the appropriation of your blood, the atonement, the fullness of your atonement over pastor's life today. Health, wholeness, vitality, in Jesus' name, what the enemy meant for evil, we thank you that you turned those things around for good. And Father, we thank you as you did for Job, that you would restore it, God double or multiple or sevenfold in Jesus name let heaven open let heaven shine upon pastor and let restoration flow into this body God today God as you touch the head the shepherd here of this house we pray for a release supernaturally in every person in this house that needs healing today in Jesus name because by your stripes God we are healed God, help us to go in strength and power and in might not to be deceived, but know today that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, y'all lift up a shout of praise in closing today.